Welcome. I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Colossians. Today is episode 586. Looking at Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 29. Read our passage. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is, the church. I have become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the glory of hope. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. This is Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. Paul said in this letter from Rome, where he is under house arrest, to Colossae. And Tychicus is carrying the letter. There's a problem in the Colossian church. We call it the Colossian heresy. And we'll really hit that in chapter 2. But he's laying the groundwork now laying the groundwork that everything is complete in Christ. They don't need extra stuff. They're caught up in angel worship and looking to angels for messages. And his point is they don't need any of that. They have everything they need in Christ as explained in the gospel. So he's been talking about the gospel and finished up last time saying that he's a servant of the gospel. Now he's going to talk about his ministry as a ministry of the gospel. Now, this section, verses 24 through 29, in the Greek is one long run-on sentence. And so the English translators have cut it up into five or six sentences to try and help make it understandable. But there's a lot in here that's, well, a lot of debate about exactly what it means and I've, uh, I've poured through as best I can. I'll try to give you my take on all this. But let's first look at verses 24 and 25, where Paul says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and am completing in my flesh what's lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is, the church. Let's pause there. So this is pretty straightforward. He says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings. Well, yes, we know Paul suffers. Back when he was talking to the Corinthian church, he talked a lot about his sufferings. That That's what he boasted in, was his sufferings. That he suffered on behalf of Christ. He was told by Ananias in Damascus when he was first called by Christ. He was told he was going to suffer for Christ's sake. So suffering is, is not new for Paul. It's not new for people that know Paul to understand his sufferings. And he says he rejoices in it. Now, he does say, my sufferings for you. So here he says he's suffering for the Colossians. Well, how is he suffering for the Colossians? Well, he's imprisoned right now on behalf not just of them, but of everyone. He's been a, an apostle to the Gentiles. It's because of his ministry. He hasn't directly taken the gospel to the Colossians, but Epaphras apparently has, and Epaphras got the gospel from Paul. So, Everything Paul does is for the Colossians, but it's for everyone, all the churches. Now, some interesting use of words here. He says, I'm 
completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's affliction. So we talked earlier about the idea of the pleroma and the fact that Paul uses variations of this word a lot in this letter. And pleroma was something that became a big deal in the Gnostic heresies. They're probably not full-blown at this point in time. This is still early to be really having a full Gnostic system of belief, but the pleroma was a big deal with the Gnostics, and it is the the fullness of this group of divine beings, and altogether these eons they were called, and emanations and things that basically were between us and God. They were the pleroma, the fullness of this spiritual beings. And so Paul uses some plays on that word, and it seems to be purposeful. One of them is this word, he says, I'm completing in my flesh. Some translations say filling up. And the the root word here is the word plero, which means to fill up. It's a verb form, much like pleroma. Pleroo is the verb form of that. So we're fullness means to be full, to fill up means to make full. So you have the verb form of that, but it's got some prefixes attached to it. So you've got ana, which means again, ana plero. But then you've got another prefix on top of that, anti, which means in place of. So you got ant ana plero, which basically it's uh, can be translated as filling up. Uh, this translation says completing. But the the fact that he uses this word is the only place in the Bible this word is used. And you see so many other times a pleroma cropping up. I think it's all purposeful in that he's making the argument that everything is completed in Christ. There's nothing left undone. Now this phrase that I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is the church. This is disturbing. It almost sounds like there's something left undone in what Christ did. There's something lacking. Well, be careful what we run with there, because what we know from everything else in the Bible, there's nothing lacking in what Christ has done. And that's the whole point of Paul's letter, is there's nothing lacking in what Christ has done. You don't need to go everywhere else. So what is he talking about here? Well, one is the word he uses here about what Christ does. Christ's afflictions. This is an unusual word to be putting with what Christ did. Paul says he suffered, and the word there is pathema, which is where we get the word passion. It's the, the Greek word for suffering. That's why they often talk about the passion of the Christ, the suffering of the Christ. And that's why we normally describe what Jesus did on the cross. Passion is suffering. And that's always the way, whenever you're talking about the redemptive work of Christ, it's always talking about Christ's suffering. So here, afflictions, it's the same word that also gets translated as tribulations. It's never used to describe Christ's redemptive work. So what's going on here? And it says, lacking in Christ's afflictions or lacking in Christ's tribulations. Well, I think the best way to think about this is in Jewish thought at the time, the coming of the Messiah would be associated with a time of tribulation. 
a time of great trouble, and that everyone would have to go through this period of tribulation in order to enter the kingdom of God. Now, remember, he talked about kingdom back in verse 13. He was mentioning several things, and one of them was the kingdom, that we have been brought into the kingdom through what Christ did. So, kingdom idea, tribulation, uh, kind of went together in Jewish thought and their understanding of the way things were going to work out. And so I think the best way to, th what Paul's probably getting at, we can't say for sure because there's just not enough information here, but I think the best understanding is what is lacking. Because Paul's talking about suffering. And I think in, in what Paul's trying to get across here is that what Christ did everything that was necessary for redemption. There's still some tribulation that has to be gone through. And Paul's going through that on behalf of Christ. And many people of the church, the church overall, has to go through some tribulation. There's some trouble in order to get to where it needs to be. So what's lacking is there's still some tribulation to be endured by Paul and the church. It's not that there's anything lacking in what Jesus did on the cross, because Jesus did all that was necessary for redemption, for salvation. But just in the playing out of God's plan, there's still some tribulation to be gone through. So that's what Paul's saying, is that that's what he's doing. He's suffering now, and that's the suffering that still needs to be done. And he's suffering Verse 24, he says, suffering for you, so suffering for the Colossians, and he's doing it on behalf of Christ, so he's suffering for Christ, for his body, that is the church, and he's suffering for the overall church. Then verse 25, he says, I have become its servant, that is, servant of the church. So I've become the servant of the church according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. So commission, the, basically the, the Greek word there means household management. That's something a, often a servant would do. He's become a servant of the gospel. He's become a servant of the church to carry out this commission, that is the household management duties that a servant would do of God. And that mission, that commission, that assignment is to make the word, word of God fully known. And here again, you see this pleroma word, and it's still the, the verb form of that, to make fully the word of God. Known is added there for understanding. The known is not actually in the Greek, so it's to basically make fully the word of God. Back to his big point. Everything is completed in Christ and made known through the gospel. There's nothing needed to be added to it. You don't need to consult angels. You don't need to consult other spirits to get extra information and get the special information that seems to be what they are doing. It's all completed in what Christ did on the cross and explained through the gospel. And that's what Paul says he's doing is he's carrying forward the gospel to the people of God to reveal what God wants to make known. And continues verse 26, talking about this gospel, the word of God, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. So part of the whole thing uh, that the, the Gnostics get caught up in, and apparently 
the Colossians are getting caught up in is this mystery stuff. Oh, there's mysteries that we can find out about. Paul said, well, we have found out about it. It's called the gospel. The mystery was hidden, but has now been made known. So you don't need to go looking for more mysteries, more special knowledge. It's all made clear here in the gospel. Verse 27, God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Paul's bringing out the point here of this isn't just now only to be known by the Jewish people. God's point in appointing Paul, an apostle to the Gentiles, is to take this mystery to the Gentiles. And what is the content of the mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Christ in you, it can also be translated Christ among you, and they actually both work well, is that we are in Christ, but Christ is in us, and he is the source of our hope for glory. That's the mystery. Well, the mystery is now made known. It was unknown, but now is made known. He goes on verse 28. We proclaim him, that is Christ, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Just for English sake, they actually drop an everyone. Most of the translations say warning and teaching everyone. Some translations say warning everyone and teaching everyone, which is really what the original Greek says. So it's warning everyone and teaching everyone so that we may present everyone three times. You've got everyone here in verse 28. So that's a clue. This is a big point with Paul. Everyone. Paul's goal is that all Christians shall be brought to maturity. Now, as he says, present everyone mature in Christ. Compare that to verse 22, where he said, we're talking about what Jesus did on the cross, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. So this idea of presenting his people. So what Christ did presents his people as holy, faultless, and blameless. That is justified by faith, declared righteous, saved, salvation by Christ. That's what Christ did, was he provides salvation so that his people are presented acceptable to God. Now, Paul says what they are doing is working to present people as mature. That's an interesting thing. You know, what Christ does is brings about salvation. But it's up to the people of the church to bring about maturity. And how's that done? Warning, teaching with all wisdom. So it points to us the, well, the importance that Paul puts on this. It, it's vitally necessary for people to hear the gospel and come to faith and be justified by faith and thus receive salvation, eternal life. But it is also vitally important that we then continue to teach and warn in all wisdom so that people will be mature in their faith. Christ presents them as holy for salvation was up to the church to present people as mature, that is, growing in their faith. Verse 29, I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. Paul says, hey, that's what I devoted myself to, but it's not just me. 
I do it because of the strength of Christ, which works powerful in me for this ministry. There's a lot in these few verses. It says one run-on sentence in the Greek. And there's a lot of nuances to it. And there's a lot of debate around what exactly he's getting at. But I think I've given you the, I've given you at least my best take on this. That Paul's pushing forward a couple of things here. With one, he's suffering for the Colossians. He's suffering on behalf of Christ. He's suffering for the church at large. And he's looking for this completion aspect that he's suffering himself and for the sake of these tribulations that are still yet to be done. Not that there's anything lacking in what Christ has done, but in working out God's plan, there's still a role for God's followers. And, and some of that involves suffering on behalf of Christ. So there's nothing else to be looking for as far as looking to these angelic beings for special knowledge, for mystery information, for extra stuff. It's all presented in the gospel, which is the account of what Christ did on the cross for us. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time. So continue working through Colossians.